0: My name is Kate the Socialite and you're listening to episode 48 of The Kate Show. Today I'm talking about 20 different website design faux pas that you need to avoid if you are about to update your site or get a new one in 2019. Now these tips are gleaned from many, many sites that my team and I have designed, and also just some standard mistakes that keep popping up. Whether I am looking at one of my customers' websites, and it's not because they're having me design it, but because they're looking for a marketing consultation, and therefore I look at their website, I look at all aspects of their social media marketing, and I create a report for them. And what I often find are most of the things on this list that need to be corrected. So if you have a notebook handy, I know I say this in almost every episode, but you're gonna wanna write this down because it is so important to make sure that you have this knowledge when you go into a website design project. Some of you design your own websites and hats off to you if you do that, but most of you will hire somebody else and you want to make sure that you and your website designer are on the same page as far as what your site needs to have, not just because of your industry, but because it just needs to have these items to function well, regardless of what type of business you own. So without further ado, let's dive into the 20 The first website design mistake I'm going to talk about is probably the most devastating one and the most common one out there, especially for the home industry. So if you're a designer, a stager, or if you own a workroom, you need to listen up because this affects your industry in particular more so than any other because everything you do is visual. And the first thing I'm gonna say is, the biggest mistake I see people making with their websites is relying on really low quality photography. Now, maybe you're just getting started in your field, or maybe you feel like you don't have the budget to hire a professional photographer to showcase your work, but Neither of those are very good excuses, guys. Now, unless you're brand new and you have zero projects to your name, I mean, I get that. And we do work with clients who have no portfolio whatsoever. We also work with clients who have a very limited or low quality portfolio. Now it doesn't mean their work is low quality. It just means the photos are low quality because they were either taken on a smartphone, an old digital camera, or the lighting was really bad, or the photo was just blurry and that does not create a good image it makes it look like your work is a little less than and that's definitely not the image you want to portray on your site because people will make a judgment about you in less than three seconds after landing on your site now i know professional photos are an investment they're not just overhead, they're an investment guys. So you have to make sure that you allow room in your monthly or your quarterly budget to allow for your most impressive projects to be photographed. And it's important that you hire an interior photographer, and someone who knows how to work the lighting of a space because a portrait photographer is not going to know how to do that in most cases. They're very talented photographers, of course, but they have a different discipline. So make sure that your photographer is skilled and experienced at taking photos of interiors. Okay, now the second thing that people really kind of trip over when it comes to website design is having a homepage that is so incomplete, and I'll tell you what that looks like. So there are some very high class websites out there, especially in the interior design industry, and they are not scrollable. You can't scroll up or down. It's just Like a one-page deal, it has very little text, maybe the logo, and then it will have the menu or the main navigation across the top. This aggravates me to no end because it's terrible for SEO, and it's also terrible for any of your website visitors because they have to go hunting for the information they want instead of being able to see it right away, like on a a normal or a well-designed website. So. I know that a lot of my customers had been asking for a design like that, but nine times out of 10, I'm able to convince them why it is not a good idea. There has been at least one situation in the past year where I was not able to convince that customer and she still wanted it and she's happy with it and that's fine. But I'm saying guys, as a website design professional. You do not want a site that is so incomplete that it makes people go hunting for information because often people will not go hunting. They will just leave your site and go to someone else's site who is a little bit more well-designed, okay? Now, the third mistake I see people making on their sites is talking in the third person. This is a very formal way of speaking or writing. And it tends to make you seem lofty, elusive, out of touch, not personable. It's really not a good way to create a first impression on your potential client. Now, it will create an impression, but probably not the one that you wanna make. So take care when you are writing the text for your website, this applies to every page of your website or if you're having someone write it for you, make sure they understand it needs to be in the first person. The fourth mistake you need to avoid is failing to address your ideal client on your homepage first thing. In fact, you should address them within the first one or two sentences of whatever you are saying on your website. And I'm saying the home page specifically because if someone were to type in your web address, that's where they would end up. And if your website shows up in Google, Google will likely send them to your home page. That's not always the case, but more often than not, it is. So you need to make sure that you are explaining exactly who you serve. And telling people who you serve is far more important than listing your awards or your affiliations or the different degrees that you have. Because while those things are important and you should be proud of them, they're not the main selling point here. The main selling point is telling people who you serve how you serve them, and how you make those people feel. Because at the end of the day, every decision we make is an emotional one. So you need to appeal to the emotions behind why someone would want to work with you. But if you've been listening to The Kate Show for a little bit, you know that you should not try to work with just anyone who can afford you. You should narrow down. You should have a niche focus. So maybe you're focusing on career professionals or stay-at-home moms. I use those examples all the time because they're very common niches to have. And that's totally fine. Maybe you focus on bachelors and you love to renovate bachelor pads. Nothing wrong with that, but you need to make it clear ASAP on your site that that is what you do and that is who you serve. Now, it will not deter people who don't fit that demographic from working with you. It's actually gonna have the opposite effect. And I know this is counterintuitive for a lot of you, but just hang in there, okay? Because when you can set yourself up as a professional in something, It makes other people realize, hey, he or she is really worth the money. And this applies even if you are a home stager or if you have a soft furnishings workroom. Now, for those soft furnishing workrooms, do you serve designers only, or do you have retail clients, or do you do both? You need to make it clear right away on your site. Home stagers, make it clear what cities and states you serve because Chances are you don't wanna do a lot of traveling. You want to focus on the real estate in your local area. Leave no question as to what area you serve or what types of real estate agents or investors or builders you work with, because you want your ideal client to look at that and be able to immediately recognize themselves. It's very important. The fifth problem that I see people making on their websites is failing to put a call to action on each page. They will often only have a call to action on the contact page, and by then it is far too late to get someone to convert because the conversion starts with the home page. At the end of your home page, or even throughout your home page, you should have buttons that will link further into your site, such as Check out our services, meet our designer or meet the stager or browse our portfolio because the goal is to take them beyond just your homepage. If people never go beyond your homepage and they just leave your site, that's what we call a bounced visitor. That contributes to the bounce rate of your site. And if your bounce rate is over 40%, I know I said this in the last episode, but it is super important. If it's over 40%, you are in the red zone. Danger, you've got to change something on your site because it's not working for you. Now, the next thing that you need to be aware of is that your potential clients, your leads, are lazy. Okay? We're all super lazy when it comes to navigating a website. That's why it's important to have call to action buttons on every single page of your site so that you can always tell people what you want them to do next. It's pretty cool actually, you get to call the shots. Number six goes right along with making things easier for lazy website visitors, but it also makes your life easier. And that is because the sixth thing that you need to do is make sure you use online forms to help capture project information so that it cuts down on the phone calls and emails that you'll have to do to figure out if you and that client can work together. It also just makes you look really professional, like you really have a good clear cut system. So, Not using online forms is a really big website mistake that happens more often than it should. And a lot of websites let you build forms directly in them. And if yours doesn't, you can always use a system like Typeform or Google Forms to create a really professional form that has exactly what you need and all the questions that are pertinent to your new project. I've seen a few home staging companies use these forms really well because they will use them to create de-stage requests. So if someone has sold a listing and they now are done with the whole staging side of it and they want all that furniture and decor out of the house, they can schedule one online and it's very simple. And one of the home staging sites that we recently designed for a customer has that form in it and it's just such a huge time saver. Now, A lot of interior designers that I work with will end up creating a form that is pretty basic, but let me tell you, it's better than nothing, and it just talks about their preferred budget, their timeline... Uh, their location, their design style, and some of those forms actually can get pretty long. But even if you kept it with the basics, it still helps you weed out people who are maybe just price shopping or just want your recommendations so they can go buy stuff on their own. And if your business model is set up to accommodate those people, great. But if not, you definitely need a way to filter them out. One of the websites we designed earlier in 2018 for a window treatment workroom used this form capability to the max, and she had us create a form that included things like the fabric description, the contrast fabric, trimming, banding and trim placement, the drapery style, lining options, whether they needed pairs or panels. And that helps her because when an interior designer comes to her site, since she is a trade only workroom, they can fill out this form and include their customer name or order number, and then they can move on with their lives. They can even pay their invoice online. And those features are standard, they're very easy to include, and we often include those in websites that we create. All right, let's move on to number seven. The seventh thing that people do on their sites that really ends up hurting them in the long run is not using a branded magazine to entice people into their mailing list. And I'll take that one step further and say it's also a huge issue if you just don't have a mailing list at all or if you don't have a way for people to get on your, your mailing list very easily through your site. That hurts you because it reduces the amount of referrals and repeat business you'll get. And it also deters people from ever giving you their contact information unless they were to fill out your contact form. And you don't want people to have to get that far before you capture their information. So it's really smart to use something like a branded magazine to entice people to join your list. Now, in case you're wondering, a branded magazine is simply a PDF that has been designed to look beautiful and on brand with your colors, your logo, and all about your business. And it offers something of value to your potential ideal client. So if your ideal client is that bachelor, you could create a branded magazine, like five steps to renovating your bachelor pad. The goal there is not to show them how to do it themselves, and believe me, they won't. But the goal is to show that you know how to do it and that you're willing to be helpful for absolutely no money down. Because that makes this person trust you, it also gets them in your mailing list, and then when you send a newsletter, as you should be, every four weeks, then that will nurture that lead and that's when they convert into a paying client. So just as a quick caveat, if you're interested in branded magazines or email newsletters, they're both available at socialitevault.com. But that's not what we're talking about today, so let's move on to number eight. The eighth website mistake people make is making those social icons like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google+, and Twitter, even house, way too prominent on their sites. So if your social icons are at the top of your site, and practically part of your main menu that's a problem because it just allows people to be tempted to leave your site because picture this they're on your website they like what they see and then they're like oh they have instagram let me go click on that and see what they're posting and then they get sucked into the black hole of instagram and they never come back to your site plus you never got their contact information so now they really are gone forever That is not a good situation. So make sure your social icons stay in the footer of your site. It is more important to have someone on your website than it is to have someone on your social media account. And I know that a lot of people are like, what? That doesn't make sense. Don't I want more fans on social media? Well, Not necessarily. The whole point of social media is to send people to your website. So if that person is already on your website, why would you want to send them backwards in the sales funnel back to social media? You know what I mean? All right. So number nine is an add-on to one of my earlier points, and that is talking in third person that is such a problem it is so common and it needs to stop but unfortunately a lot of people will write their bio or their about page in third person and that creates the same problem I mentioned earlier where people can't connect with you because it's not even you anymore it's like someone out there some vague announcer or whatever is like talking about you and it's not you That's not good for connection. It's not good for building trust or rapport. So make sure your bio is written in the first person. And again, don't start off by listing all your accomplishments, your awards, your affiliations, your education. You can certainly put those in, but put them towards the end of your bio because the beginning should be all about how you serve the needs of your ideal client and what that looks like, and how it makes people feel. It is so important to focus on that. Number 10 also has to do with your about page, and that is using an old or unprofessional headshot. Don't do it, guys. Just don't do it. I know a lot of you just haven't thought to update your headshot in a while, but you need to make it happen. It can take less than an hour to get set up with a photographer and say cheese, you know? Okay, it's pretty simple, but it's important because if you have a photo of yourself from a decade ago and then you show up at your client's home and you honestly look different because hey, it's been 10 years, don't you think that's a little bit unsettling to them? they need to understand who you are and what to expect. So part of setting those expectations is making sure that you are updated and current. So if you're getting a new website or you plan to, now is the time to book that photo shoot. And if you're gonna have that photo shoot, you may want to consider making it more of a lifestyle shoot instead of just a headshot. When you do a lifestyle shoot, you end up with dozens more photos, and it could be you in your own home, or you with your family, or you outside, or you in the workroom, or on the job, and that helps people see more about who you really are outside of a very posed, um, fake background type of photo, which, I mean, those are becoming less and less common because they just don't connect. So consider that when you're booking your photographer. Now we're going to get on to tips 11 through 20, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick sponsor break. Hey, interior designers. How much time are you currently spending creating floor plans, furniture arrangements, or sourcing product, or creating mood boards? Well here's the good news, you do not have to keep spending many many precious hours of your time on these things that you could actually hand off to someone else. Now, I'm not suggesting that you hire an employee or that you add another person to your in-house team because that's not always a good fit for everyone. From a legal and tax standpoint, having an employee can be expensive and it can also be risky, which is why I am really excited to introduce you guys to my friend, Brittany Elms of My Design Assistant. So, Brittany specializes in virtual assistant services exactly and specifically for interior designers so that you can spend more time growing your business, your brand, and getting the publicity that you deserve without spending hours creating those mood boards or sourcing those products. Because we know these things are very important to your design process, but the good news is it doesn't all have to be done by you. So if you're ready to take your business to the next level and start outsourcing things that you don't necessarily have to have your hands in go over to mydesignassistant.com check out britney's services her reviews and book a time with her online head over to mydesignassistant.com to get started All right guys, let's dive in to 10 more things you need to make sure you avoid when getting a new website or updating your current site. So number 11 is not naming each photo with like the service type, the city and state it's located in before uploading it to your site. Because here's the deal, Google reads whatever file name is attached to your photo. And if it's just a series of like gibberish, That's all Google's going to see. Google doesn't really see photos. It needs to see what the image is about by reading the file name. So make sure that you do yourself a huge SEO favor and name each photo. Now, number 12 is a little bit different. We're going to shift topics, but it's super important. It is making sure that you position your services around the ideal client that you would like to serve. And let me explain that. It's one thing to say you offer home staging or holiday decorating or custom window treatments or kitchen remodels, but that is not as effective as it is when you pair it with, we offer kitchen renovation for this type of person, or we specialize in staging this type of home. It doesn't alienate you from other situations that don't fit that description but again it serves to set you up as a specialist and that is so important especially if you want to increase your prices or just become known in your industry for what you're doing. Now number 13. The issue here is asking a viewer to click too many times on your site to find the information they want. Clicking decreases conversions significantly. So the more buttons they have to click in order to get to one page, like your contact page or your services page, the less likely they are going to be to do it, and then they'll leave your site, and we don't want that. So when you are linking to anything on your site, make sure that it's a one-click feature. If it says, browse services, make sure that button actually takes them to your services page and not just to a service menu where they have to click again to get to a specific type of service. Keep it simple and keep it streamlined. Moving on to number 14, you need to make sure that you are not using a pop-up banner on your site that covers the entire page. This is terrible for SEO. It's terrible for the loading speed of your site. And it also just really irritates the heck out of anyone who's visiting your site. And irritated viewers do not become customers, believe me. So make sure that if you have a pop-up on your site, that it is small, just in the center of your site, or it's in the corner of your site, and it's very easy for people to click the X button to get rid of it because that's just not fun. It's more like an interruption, kind of like seeing an ad or a commercial in the middle of your favorite TV show. Nobody actually wants to see it. In fact, if you have an announcement or a particular service offering that you're trying to promote, the best thing to do is put it at the very top of each site Of each page on your site as like a clickable banner so that it's out of the way it doesn't distract from the rest of your site but it's definitely there if people are interested in it okay so the next thing that you need to be in keeping in mind is number 15 list your areas of service i know that sounds like a no-brainer and everyone should be doing it but it honestly isn't happening on a lot of sites I was on an interior design site earlier this week, and I was trying to figure out where she was, or at least the areas that she served, because it was pertinent to what I was doing for her, and it wasn't listed anywhere on her site. This person worked from home, so I can see why she didn't want to have her home address on there, but I'm not suggesting that you put all your personal contact info out there, but what I am saying is... If you are serving Phoenix, Arizona, you had better put your serving Phoenix, Arizona on your site. It doesn't mean people will be able to stalk you and find you because let's be real, if someone wanted to stalk you, they could do it whether or not you had any address information on your website. But make sure that it's clear to both Google and to your visitors where you are serving now if you will travel and go anywhere to serve your clients that's okay but you need to make sure that you list some cities and states or countries of your past projects just to give people a feel for how far you'll go and then also mention worldwide or nationwide the 16th thing you need to avoid on your site is a little bit controversial but I'm going to say it anyway, because you guys know that has never stopped me before. And that is using a slideshow that automatically changes on your homepage. Now, it's not like I'm saying I've never designed a site that has this feature, but I'll try to do my best to talk a client out of it because It really slows down your site's loading speed, which can also affect the SEO. It can affect the viewer experience. It's just not a good tactic. I know there are a lot of sites that still use the slideshow feature, but it doesn't matter if your site's on Squarespace WordPress or something else it just slows down your site. So choose a static image or one that does not change and your site will load faster and it's not going to make your site look any less fancy or luxurious. Okay so the 17th thing you need to avoid is including a blog on your site that you just don't regularly update. So if you're updating it less than once a month you should probably just hide that blog so that nobody can see it, because it starts to get a little bit embarrassing when you have this blog and it hasn't been touched, very obviously, in six months or more. It starts to look awkward. So either commit to blogging at least once a month or hide that blog. There's no shame if you just don't wanna blog, but if you do and you don't have time, I do have a resource in the show notes, my friend Jacqueline from Ochre and Beige. She specializes in blogging for an interior designers. Now workrooms and stagers, I'm sorry she does not offer those services for you, but if you are a designer, then she can definitely help. Number 19 is a little bit techy, but oh so important for your site. You need to make sure your site has what is called SSL security. Now that stands for Secure Sockets Layer. Sounds super weird and super lame, but it's important. And you'll know if your site is secure if it has HTTPS in front of your website address. So go type in your website and see if it has that. It may also have a green padlock or a black padlock in front of it all, indicating that site is locked down and secure. This is important because Google will actually rank you lower in the search results even if the rest of your SEO is good if you don't have SSL security. It just doesn't look good and it's not professional. So make sure your site has it. If you don't have it, it's easy to get, especially if you switch to using Squarespace. It comes standard with every website. And that means that every website my team designs includes that SSL security on top of the rest of the SEO that we also build into the site. Okay, guys, we made it. This is number 20, the thing that you need to avoid, the very last one. And that is actually pretty simple, it is, too many font sizes and too many font types on your website. Now it's good to have about three to four different font sizes, but you should only be using like two different fonts, maybe a third one if you have buttons, but you don't want it to become a big mishmash of different font types. It just starts to look really messy and cluttered. So if you're working with a designer or you're doing a site on your own, just make sure that you have your two fonts that are reflective of your logo or your brand, and then maybe a third one just for buttons or for the footer text. That's completely acceptable and looks really nice. I know I've given you guys a lot to think about, a lot to hash over with your team, so I want to just wrap this up with a few resources that you can use to make sure you're on the right track whether you feel like you've already made all these adjustments, or after you make them, you wanna make sure that your website is still in good shape. So the first thing would be heading over to websitegrader.com. This will give you a score on your site, zero out of 100, whatever that might be, and it will tell you if your site is loading quickly, if it has good SEO, if the sitemap is set up correctly, if it is secure, and all the other important things that I've talked about in this episode. The other thing you could do is set up a Google analytics account. It's free and it only takes a couple minutes to set up and then you'll have to give it a few weeks or months to gather enough data for you to look at, but it will tell you how many people are visiting your site, what they're doing once they get on your site and how many people get to your site and then just leave. That would be the bounce rate. I talked about earlier and you want to make sure that bounce rate doesn't get too high. Now you have a few other options as well. If you are feeling overwhelmed by your website and you know that it's not quite right, but you're not even sure where to start, why don't you book a consult with me? I don't usually announce this on my podcast because then I end up getting overwhelmed with my booking schedule, but I have noticed there's a deep need for this, especially as we get into the new year. So if you are interested in getting a website assessment or a marketing consultation booked with me, head over to KateTesocialite.com and contact my team, we'll get something set up. Now the other option you have is, if you know, absolutely, you just need a new website, darn it, get on my schedule. Go through that same process of contacting me at kate the and if you do it now as we're getting into the holidays it's the best time to book with me because i tend to book three to four months out and if you want to wait that long for a new website that's perfectly fine but if you're like nope gotta get it done now i want it ready for the new year then contact me now let's chat let's get the paperwork started because It is so important that you have a website that functions well and represents your brand really well, because then it becomes a tool that works even when you're not. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to my 20 tips on things to avoid when getting a new website. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. But until then, remember, keep your marketing simple and your message clear. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.